You've entered Bookstorm with Kristen Civiletto and me, Chris Storm. This is a podcast devoted to best-selling books that matter, books that make a difference. We're diving down deep with beloved authors about their stories. We're exposing hot-button topics and heartfelt themes, the issues that affect each of us in our own lives as siblings, parents, partners, friends, as human beings. We're braving new ideas, fresh thoughts, hard lessons, and important truths. Those kinds of things that stay with us long after we turn the last page and close the book. Welcome back to Bookstorm Podcast. We have a special treat for you here today. We have someone from all the way across the pond in South London, a beautiful author, joining us today. Her name is CJ Ray pseudonym for Christine Mabry. We're going to call her Chris. She's a Sunday Times bestselling author of 43 novels, women's fiction. Welcome, Chris, to Bookstorm. Thank you very much. I'm delighted to be here. We're super excited to have you here today. And I want to just tell our listeners a little bit about you because they're always curious when they love their author to find out about your background. She was raised in the West of England. She studied psychology before her entertaining and wide-ranging career. And I'm going to ask you about this because this is hysterical. Okay. It's on all the bios, and I had to share it. You, you were selling kitchens, mm -hmm. editing erotica, working mm -hmm. with an armed robber, now reformed, and pretending yeah. to be a princess. Please tell us more about this before we get into the book. Oh gosh, which bit of it? Well, um, selling kitchens was very, very dull, but that was my first job and I wasn't very good at it. I used to demonstrate the cabinets and they'd always fall out when I pulled them, even though it's a Then the editing erotica, that was an, an interesting job, which sort of has some relation to what we're going to talk about today because um, that was in the 1990s. Is that me pinging? Sorry. Um, and um, my job was to edit out the illegal acts because certain things were still illegal in the UK in, in those days, even in 1990s regarding um, certain, um, yeah, there's certain acts. <laughs> um, the Armed Robber, that was my first ever ghostwriting job. Um, he was one of the UK's earliest, um, earliest, youngest rather, um, armed robbers. He spent a lot of time in prison, but he's now very much reformed and he's called um, Michael Maisie and he is a, um, a yeah, a, a guru and um, a leader and does a lot of uh, community work. Um, and finally, the, um, what was the last thing? I, oh, impersonating princess. <laughs> that's, that's, that's a bit of a joke, really. And that actually happened when I was in Los Angeles. And it was it was to do with trying to get restaurant reservations. I'd, I would ring up and, and um, pretend to be a princess. And uh, <laughs> did that work? Did it work? It did. It did. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, I'm going to take that. Thank you for sharing that. That is a wealth of a wealth of life packed into a young person. And we're about to talk about two older women who have take that and multiply it times 100. This is going to get yes. good. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, well, we're here to talk about your new book, The Excitements, which we okay. are just thrilled and excited to talk to you about this. We love the book. And I like to give our listeners... Oh. It's a beautiful cover. I love to give our listeners uh, just a little bit of the backdrop of what's happening in the story. And I promise not to give any spoilers. 
Okay. And if you want to add anything at the end, just be my guest. Uh, but okay. this story is about two female World War II veterans, Josephine and Penny Williamson. They are fearless, they are clever, and they've always maintained just a certain joy for life, even in the midst of the horrific events of World War II. They're also in their late 90s. Now, fast forward to today's time. They are in huge demand at commemorative and history events, but they're always ready for adventure, what they call their excitement for the day. Mm -hmm. And their great nephew, Archie, generally accompanies them them on these excursions. And in this story, it's a trip to Paris where Mm -hmm. they are supposed to receive a very prestigious medal for their part in the liberation of France. Archie is a historian. He's a little bit the opposite of them on the quieter side, a little more bookish. And he's always understood that his great aunts had relatively minor roles in World War II, even though they served. One was in the Women's Royal Navy and the other in the First Aid Nursing Yeomanry also Mm -hmm. called Fanny. Mm -hmm. Now, both sisters are hiding more than the usual official secrets. And he begins to wonder looking back on his life, especially after one time Aunt Penny fended off a would-be mugger with an umbrella. And that Mm -hmm. stuck with him. Now, the trip to Paris, of course, like the women, is a little more than what it seems. And there's scandals and crimes that sometimes seem to follow the Williamson sisters wherever they go. But they are heading to Paris with an excitement in their heart. They've got some scores to settle and some information is about to come to light. Did you want to add anything to that backdrop? I, I think I think you've summed it up perfectly. I think anything else and we'll start to be um, sort of giving things away. So I think we should we should uh, leave it at that. Perfect. That sounds good. We never want to give spoilers, although we're dying to talk about all of it. <laughs> but I want to say for our listeners... We loved these sisters, Josephine and Penny. And what I thought was, may we all be filled with that kind of passion for life, what they call toujours gay. gay. Am I pronouncing that right? The French expression? And even a little mischief that they were filled with. You showed the reader that people are made up of the sum of innumerable life experiences, like the few that you had just told us about, and that we should never discount anyone's wisdom or even their ability, even at 90. Now, the title of the book is The Excitements. And please expand as the author, why are excitements so imperative in life, even at an old age, even at our age? Did this drive the sisters to live longer, perhaps, to keep their zest and passion for living? Mm-hmm. Um, I suppose I should first of all explain perhaps for the listeners what an excitement is. And that, that's a phrase which comes from my my dear friend, um, Pat Davies, who's 100 years old. And um, whenever you speak to her about, you know, what's what's going on in life, it's like, oh, what excitements do you have for me today? And excitements can be anything from just popping around for a cup of tea to going to Paris to pick up Légion d'honneur kind of thing. Um, so, I mean, why, why are they important? I, I think joy and excitement is important to all of us, isn't it? It's something that's so human um, to want that uh, connection and something to look forward to. Um, you know, just just little things. It, it doesn't have to be, I, I mean, yes, as, as I said, it can be meeting a friend for a cup of tea, anything like that. And I do think maintaining that connection and that joy um, certainly makes for a much happier um, older age and, and has done for my, my friends, um, Pat, who's 100, and uh, Christian Lamb, who's 103. They're both up for anything all the time. 
Oh, I love that. It And yes, we love, we don't want to sit in our houses all day. We no. want to go out, experience, adventure, meet new people. There's one other thing I want to piggyback on that. Penny secretly joined the French resistance. She was a fanny, 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 first, first aid nursing yeomanry. Yes. Yes. And the motto, their motto was Arduis Invicta, in mm -hmm. difficulties unconquered. Mm -hmm. How does that play into their old age and their passion and zest for life? That none, all of our past experiences don't necessarily have to be good or positive or victorious, but just that we tried, perhaps? Um, I think so. I mean, I, th I think there's an element of if you are the kind of person who, who um, I, I suppose I should point out that um, in the book, Penny joins the first aid nursing yeomanry. She signs up and then she is um, sort of seconded into the SOE, the Special Operations Executive, which sent agents behind enemy lines in France. And a lot of those, well, many of those agents were women, people like Violette Zabo, Odette Hallows, um, Noor Inayat Khan. Um, and they were tremendously brave women, had a very difficult job to do. They went in as, as civilians, but they were part of the first day nursing yeomanry so they could remain under the Geneva Convention. But anyway, going back, winding back to the thing, um, I, I think, yes, the kind of people who, who are, who put themselves out there in, in their younger years, it, inevitably, I suppose, become fabulous um, seniors. Um, and, but I'm sure it works both ways. If you allow a bit more excitement into your life, then, you know, it, it, it snowballs. You'll only have a better time and stay younger longer. That's my theory. Yeah, thank you. You gave us all inspiration to get out there and take a risk and do something. Absolutely. Yes. I want to ask you, Chris, several of your characters in the historical context of the book, they lived with shame about yeah. who they were and some of the circumstances in which they found themselves. Mm -hmm. And it drove them to later make some very significant choices in their lives. Sometimes they had enormous regret about those choices. And they even live differently as a result. Mm -hmm. And I love this theme in your story. We've come a long way in terms of accepting people, you know, for who they are and the choices they make. And I wanted to ask you, can you address this theme in your story? Why was this important to you? Um, well, I, I think it was important to to represent what was really going on at the time. I mean, without giving too many spoilers away, that the the events of the book, um, I think, would pretty much accurately reflect what would have happened to. Um, I, I mean, I'm not sure how I can, how I can do this without spoilers. I suppose. I, I mean, the book touches on what it was like to be gay in the 1930s and 40s, and it also touches on 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 illegitimacy at that period of time. Um, and I hope that the choices that my characters make reflect the social reality of that time. And I mean, you know, we, we imagine that we've come a long way since then. But um, in, in fact, um, you know, it was only in um, 1967 that it became um, that it was decriminalized, that, that sex between two men was decriminalized in the UK. Um, and um, it was only in 1987 that, um, that the stigma of illegitimacy was removed, that you, you no longer had illegitimate stamped across your, your birth certificate. Um, and, and the reason why I think I've sort of particularly returned to the illegitimacy theme is because that's something that's touched on my own life. I, I was illegitimate as a child. And so 
um, was taken into foster care and subsequently adopted. And so, so I'm I'm quite interested in in the stories of people who've been separated from their families and their heritage and and their culture from everything. Um, so, uh, and I think touching on how um, you know how LGBTQ people um, were treated during the the 1940s during World War II. Um, is important too. I, I mean, the, the most famous example is Alan Turing, who who was at Bletchley Park and helped break the Enigma Code. And they think that his work possibly shortened the war by as many as four years. And yet, you know, a very short period after that, he was arrested for gross indecency, which is code for you know um, being with another man, and, and took his own life as a result. And, and you do wonder what 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 we lost from those very strict. Um, social mores about you know that and illegitimacy what we lost it, it's and I wanted to to touch on that in the book though the book is largely a comedy I should add at this point yeah and it, you know, it also has a lot of heart I mean that and now I understand why these are issues that are very important to you and that mm -hmm. shines through in the story but it also reminds us of how important history is because mm -hmm. that's where you can you know, have developed that gratitude for the hardships that people went through so that your life is different and easier and perhaps better. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I want to say thank you for sharing that personal part of your life, the beginning of your life. And also thank you for adding that to this story in the subtle way that you did. And it goes, I'm going to add my next question here because this book is also very funny. Like you said, I laughed right out loud several times. I loved these elderly sisters, their confidence and their consistent composure. It seemed that they had no fears whatsoever. However, I don't think I'm giving a spoiler by saying Penny recalled a very terrifying experience in her early days of training. Mm -hmm. Let's call it a fear, a weakness, whatever it was. It really made the reader love her all the more. Was it these past difficulties for both of them and for us, even things like betrayal or heartbreak or mistakes or fears that make us stronger later in life? And maybe there's some good that can come out of these hardships for all of us. Mm. Um, I, I definitely think that for the wartime generation, I, I mean, they were forged in fire. I mean, for, for women like Penny and Josephine, my characters who sort of came of age during World War II and who served just as bravely as, as the men. Um, you know, I mean, that was a life changing experience. And I think after that, you, you don't sweat the small stuff anymore, do you? When you've, when you've um, sort of come face to face with death, for sure. Um, I wonder also if that perhaps made it, it harder for them to um, process some of the, the some of the experiences they had in their lives um uh because you know when when you've when you've been through a war and so many people have lost loved ones and so many people have you know come home broken um it must be very hard to, to sort of worry too much about heartbreak and so i wonder if that's what made their generation sort of that you know it's, it's sort of keep calm and carry on but also quite emotionally closed um I'd just like to share a very quick anecdote about um, my friend Jean Argles, who was the model for Penelope. She actually was a first aid nursing yeomanry officer 
during World War II, and she became a careers officer later on. And, and um, this is on the subject of hardships. It's not talking about hardships on the sort of an, an international level, but um, with regard to career hardships, she, she talked about this. And, and I, when I was thinking, because I used to write romance novels, and when I was thinking I want to change direction, I was worried that I'd failed at, at what I'd done as a romance novelist. And she said to me, forget failure. There's no such thing only deciding not to waste your time. And I think that's a fantastic mantra for going forward. I love that. There's a beautiful quote right there that we're going to continue. Let me add one more thing because I had it just jotted down here that I thought this summed up the sisters. There was a quote in the book from Invictus mm -hmm. that said this, in the fell clutch of circumstance, I have not winced nor cried aloud under the bludgeoning of chance my head is bloody, but unbowed. Absolutely. I loved it. Isn't it fantastic? It's just such a beautiful poem, and it, and it, um, it says so much about that time as well. Um, Chris, I wanted to ask you about another interesting angle in your story. Archie and his great aunts were very enamored with the writings of W.E. Fairburn, the hand-to-hand -hand unarmed fighting legend in Royal Marine. Why were his works so impactful on Penny and Josephine? Uh, in particular, were they empowering to them? Because this is a time when women were expected to marry and have children. What do you mm. think? Um, I think, uh, I, I mean, the, the, the Fairburn's book, um, Self-Defense for Women and Girls, which was published in the U.S. as Hands Off, it was called, um, the U.S. edition. Uh, I, I think it appeals to Penny because she's she's a maverick right from the start. She's, she's really, you know, she's a tomboy. She's, you know... It, She's more like her brother than her sister, I think. Um, I'm, I'm not sure it was actually that widely read by women at the time, um, but, I, but I think it's it's well worth a read now. It has some amazing self-defense needs in it, just just things that um, I think could be helpful in in modern, you know, any modern circumstances. But I think I think it was the war that changed women's lives forever. I think many of them. Um, ended up doing jobs that they never could have imagined themselves doing. Um, and my friends, Pat and Jean, who, sisters who were the models for Penny and Josephine, they were told as young women that there wasn't enough money in the family for them to go to university and that they had the choice of going to secretarial college or cordon bleu school, both of which were options which were very, you know, good, you know, good options, but neither of them wanted to do that. The war changed that for them because after the war, you could get a service grant and you could go to university and, and that made all the difference. And I think that combined with the ability to knock somebody out using an umbrella or a matchbox is, is you know, what more do you need? <laughs> yeah. And these, these were pivotal times in terms of looking at the role of women, both in the home and outside the home. And I love that you also explored that theme throughout the story. It, you really did address a lot of things in thank such a, a charming, beautiful manner. Uh, we loved it. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you. We just want to hold the book up one more time for our YouTube watchers. The Excitements by CJ Ray. You've got to pick it up. In the meantime, you can find her on Facebook and on X. And can you give us a clue what you might be working on next? Uh, I'm working on a 
it's it's the second book in, in the series, really. It's a sort of sequel to the excitements. It's called Jinx, but it's going to be concentrating on the war in the Far East instead of in, in Europe. So which which I hope will have um some interest for, for American readers because I you know so many Americans um were part of that conflict. That sounds wonderful. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure meeting you today. We really Thank thoroughly you. enjoyed this book. Can't wait for your next one. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me on. Chris, we covered so much ground in that interview. And like the book, you know, she is a person of depth and such interesting commentary on things that are important to us even today. You know, it's not just 70 years ago. This is a today issue that we're wrestling with many of these themes. And a couple things, you know, stood out to me. And one is the age of these protagonists. You know, they were in their late 90s. They were still embracing this joy of life looking for that next excitement. And I wanted to ask you about that because sometimes, I don't know, I might be guilty of this. We forget that older people had a full life and are still deserving of a full life. It's not yes. something in the past. You know, one of my pet peeves in life is when someone goes over to a senior and speaks to them like they're a child. And I think that is going to be each of us someday. And I don't know about you, but even now in my own being, I really don't feel that much different than when I was 20. I'm smarter. You know, I know a lot more, but deep inside the me, that's just the basic core is the exact same. So I'm anticipating at 90 or hundred, I'm still going to be the same person, maybe even a whole lot wiser than that. And I think that Christine um, Manby showed us not to discount elderly people but to really sit and listen to them. How about you? Yeah, and, and also remember that at one point, they were active, they were artists, they were making mistakes, they were living with regret. And as you point out, that's where wisdom comes from. You know, it so is. what an incredible resource. It's a, wealth of, it's a wealth of resource that I think that we discount, even in our own families, maybe. And maybe because we don't have time to sit and talk to our great-grandparents or grandparents. And, and I don't know about you, but mine did tend to tell the same stories again and again because they were important to them. But one of my friends, two of my friends have mothers who are in their 90s. And one of them, our whole little college group, whenever we're at a shower, at a wedding or a baby shower... We all congregate around her in a circle and she tells stories, some that we haven't heard and we can barely hear and, and they're funny and they're, they're, they have moral and quirks to them because she's wise. We're getting a little bit of wisdom. We as a society, we got to tap into that more. Yeah. Let me ask you about this. I really loved how you brought up that the, the prejudice and the unfair treatment of women in that short of span of history, that was not that long ago. She brought up L LGBTQT. That was not that long ago that they were so horribly mistreated. And um, I just thought, wow, for women to have the voice that we have now, there was one scene in the book where Frank had secretly protected Penny from a situation that he thought would be too dangerous. I don't want to give any, any spoilers. It was too dangerous. She didn't know it, but she resented it because it was her choice to make. This is where the lines get blurred or do they maybe become more clearer? 
What do you think? Yeah, I thought that was a great example that you brought up because, you know, now we think in terms of agency. You know, I want the ability to choose, as you pointed out. And by taking that from her, it was a very, you know, kind of a, a paternal type response that he had. But again, it takes away the benefit of the experience that she could have had. And she lived with regret for a long time over it. I, I, I look at that whole scene and I have mixed feelings about it because the truth is he saved her. And had she made her choice, she probably would have had a different outcome. So it, it, it's a blurred line. You know, when are people with more information or knowledge making decisions for us versus we have the freedom to choose no matter what the outcome? I don't know. That was a tough one to swallow. It is. And it's funny because before we started the show today, Kristen and I were talking about our holiday uh, vacation with our kids and our family. And we were just saying how, you know, how much we're so proud of our kids, but how also we wish we could guide them a little stronger or perhaps tell them what more to do in a specific way. And they're adults, at least mine are. You still have some that are young, but it kind of falls into this. And we both agreed, no. Yeah, if they ask for advice, but it's their life, they have to live it. And, and I think the best parenting is got to let go a little bit. So hard, though, especially so when your hard. son buys a gigantic puppy for a small apartment in Manhattan. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Peter. <laughs> I know we're going to love Hank, so I take it all back, but it's going to be challenging. That's for sure. Um, anything else you want to add? It was just a really beautiful little story. It was quirky. It was funny. It had some really good truths in it. Yeah, oh, just that we need to laugh more. And I thought that this book did a great job of highlighting the importance of joy in our lives, no matter your age, but having that little excitement to look forward to. And I love that she said it could be something as small as having tea with a friend or going to Paris. But the point is that expectation of looking forward to something coming up. I think that kind of sometimes keeps us going a little bit. It sure does. Like, guess what? This bookstorm podcast for both of us. Now there's a little excitement that keeps us going. <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> well, uh, readers, just stay tuned because we've got some great books coming up. We are totally booked for the next couple months. We have Nick Petrie, Jill Shalvis, Mary Kubica, AJ Hatley, CJ Ray, Michelle Gable, Emma Gray, Dervla McKiernan, Susan Mallory, Lisa Unger, Heather Gudenkoff, Ma um, Matthew Blake, who just came out, Liza Palmer, Christopher Reich, and Abbott Collar. Wow. And listeners, thank you for listening to us. Chris shared with me just before that we are up to listeners in 73 countries or territories, all 50 states in the United States and 1,500 plus cities. We are grateful. We love to hear from you. And we ask that you keep tuning in because we have these amazing authors who are really sharing a lot about their own experiences, their own lives, but also these themes that they are bringing out in their stories. So you can stay on the radar with us. You can visit us at bookstormpodcast.com. You can find us on Facebook, on Instagram, on X, on TikTok. Our YouTube has 100 plus videos. We would love for you to tune in and see them there. Till next time, listeners, one of the best ways to brave the storm is to dive down deep into life-changing fiction.